Welcome to The Upward Journey, the podcast ministry of Upward Christian Fellowship in Flat Rock, North Carolina. During a storm, the safest place for a ship is out at sea. Now, this might seem a little strange because it would seem natural for it to be tied safely to the dock. The problem is that during a really strong storm, when the wind and waves are really flexing their muscles, the ship can be repeatedly slammed against that same dock. And over time, it'll damage and potentially even destroy the ship. It's safest on the water during a storm because the ship was made to be on the water during a storm and during times of peace. Life can be much the same. While we may feel safe tied to the things we're used to or seemingly comforted by, we're actually safest in the arms of our Creator and His great plan for us. Now that still begs the question though, how do we navigate the waters of life and not sink? We explore that and more in our current series, Unsinkable, How to Navigate a Storm. Let's dive in together and continue the upward journey. Let's give a big welcome to our online crew this morning. Good to have every one of you watching us around the country, other nations of the world. Great to have you this morning. Thanks for being here. I just imagine in this crowd today, somebody has had trouble getting along with somebody this week. You might as well admit it now. The people sitting next to you know it already, and we will figure it out. Anybody had trouble getting along with somebody this week? Have you ever had trouble getting along with somebody that had a different faith from you? Anybody? Can I see your hand? I mean, ever. Those of you without your hands raised at all, you are our heroes. We're not worthy to be in the same building with you. Have you ever gotten, had trouble getting along with somebody you disagree with? Anybody ever disagreed on politics with anybody and had trouble with that? <laughs> I got you now. I found your place now. Yeah, here's the deal. We're going to have people we disagree with. They're always going to be here. We're always going to be together with people that we disagree with. How do we deal with them? How do we serve them? How do we love them in the midst of a storm? I believe, folks, we have a tremendous opportunity in the midst of the storm we're in, a tremendous opportunity to show people the love of Jesus Christ like we've never been able to before. People, when they are hurting, are more receptive to truth than they are in times of calm. And I want us to be very careful that in the midst of these stormy times, I want us to speak truth with love. I want us not to be afraid to speak the truth. But I want to make sure that we do it in such a way as to keep our influence with people that need Jesus. Can we do that? Can we serve Jesus? Can we speak truth to people that disagree with us and do it in such a way as to preserve our influence with them? That's what we're going to talk about today in this message in a series called Unsinkable. Now, I heard this funny, funny story about an older Christian lady. She had a limited income, and she was just living kind of from check to check, and she had an atheist neighbor, and they argued all the time because her atheist neighbor said, there is no God, and the Christian lady, she would just pray louder. She would pray louder, and it got to the point, uh, she'd leave her window open, and he could hear her praying, and it got to the point if he was walking by and he heard her praying, he'd yell in the window, there's no use praying, there's no God anyway. She'd just keep on praying. So one month, the uh, income fell short, and she didn't have groceries. And she was sitting in her apartment, and she thought, I just need a BLT. 
You ever have one of those days when you just need a BLT? Or maybe it's a cheeseburger for you. She's like, I just need a BLT. She said, I'm just going to ask Jesus to send me some groceries. So she starts praying really loud. And she's like, Jesus, I need a BLT. Jesus, send me groceries, I pray. And Jesus, I'm going to be specific with you. I need a loaf of white bread. I need a jar of, of Duke's mayonnaise because she was in the South. And uh, <laughs> Lord, please don't send no Hellman's out here. Uh, <laughs> That's totally free this morning. I added that in. Uh, Lord, I need some white bread. Lord, I need some Duke's mayonnaise. And Lord, I need bacon, lettuce, and tomato. Jesus, I don't have any food. Send me the food. Well, her atheist neighbor heard the whole thing, and he thought, I'll show her. He snuck by her apartment window, and he got in his car. He went down to the corner market, and he bought bread, Duke's mayonnaise, and bacon, lettuce, and tomato, and he put it all in a bag, and he snuck up to her door and left it there and then went into his apartment and waited because he knew what was going to happen. She opens the door about an hour later and she comes out and says, Thank you, Jesus. You sent me exactly what I asked for. There's Duke's mayo and bread and bacon, lettuce, and tomato. You sent me exactly what I wanted. And he sprang out of his apartment door and he said, Aha, I've got you. God didn't send that to you. I went and bought it myself. You see, there is no God. She looked at him. She said, thank you, Jesus. You sent me a BLT and you got the devil to pay for it. <laughs> now, let's talk about that story. There's something really funny about it. But there's also something wrong with it. Because our purpose on this earth is not to say, got you, to all the atheists. Our purpose on this earth is not to make a point, it's to make a difference. It's not to win over somebody, it's to win somebody over. Are you with me? How do we do that in this crazy world when everybody's going through a storm together how do I live and stand up for truth of what I believe and still win people to Jesus? In Acts 27, where our, our series is centered, Paul is going through this huge storm. They're about two weeks in a storm. They're on a boat in the Mediterranean, and this storm hits, and it is so bad that it obscures the sun, the moon, and the stars. You ever been in a storm that it's dark in daylight? They're in this raging storm in the middle of a boat. Have you ever been in a boat when it's rough? Anybody in the room ever been seasick? Anybody ever been severely seasick when you thought, if I had the money, I'd tell the captain I'm buying his boat to take me back in right now? Seasick is really, really sick. So they're seasick. They don't have any light, any, any point of reference for two weeks, and they're just getting absolutely worn out by this. Anybody feel like we're sailing through a season like that right now when people are like just tired of it all? Tired of hearing about it? Tired of going through it? The world is weary. There needs to be some Pauls on board people's ships today. Let me tell you a couple things about Paul. Number one, before they ever set out, Paul spoke truth. Acts 27.10, Paul said this. This is before they even got into the storm. Paul said, men... I believe there's trouble ahead if we go on. Shipwreck, loss of cargo, and danger to our lives. Paul's saying, 
Don't do this. Stop. If we go forward from this place, you're going to lose the ship, you're going to lose the cargo, and you're going to put your lives in big danger. Here's what I want you to understand. Paul was not afraid to speak the truth. And we need more and more Christians in our day who are not afraid to speak the truth. Now, what if they cancel me? They can't cancel you. That whole cancel thing's a myth anyway. They can't cancel what Jesus Christ has done in my life and in my heart. They can't cancel the people that love me that I have influence over. They can take you off Facebook, so what? They'll boot you off Instagram. That'll free up a lot of my day. (laughs) They may not allow you to preach on YouTube. Okay, I've still got you. And I've still got people I can influence every day. That cancel thing is a myth. That cancel thing is a fear tactic. Christians cannot be afraid to speak the truth. We are called to be ambassadors of truth. And there is a longing in this crazy, crazy world. Some of the things going on in our world, they're not political, they're crazy. Some of the things I don't oppose because another party says it. I oppose it because it doesn't make sense. We're abandoning standards in our world today, basically saying there's no standard of faith, there's no standard of belief, there's no standard of behavior, there are no standards in practice today, and we've just tossed those things aside. We've said uh, this truth is what it is to you, and truth is what it is to me, and it doesn't matter. Try building a house from somebody that, with somebody. Try going on a job and building a house with somebody who has a different definition of what a foot is than you. Last time I checked, we don't get to define certain things. There are certain things that just are. We're abandoning science in our world today. For years and years, they tried to beat us up with science, saying science is not reconcilable with the Scripture. And now the world's just decided to toss science as well. In many ways. It's whatever I want to do, I can do. And truth for me is truth, and truth for you is truth. If my truth and your truth are not the same, then there is no truth. If I can believe something that's true and you can believe it's true too, there is no We've abandoned standards. We've abandoned science in our world today. We've just tossed them aside. We've basically said there is no truth. I want you to understand this. There is a hunger in this world today for people who will boldly speak truth. There's a hunger for that in this world today. You may think no one wants that anymore, but there are people in this world today who are crying out to follow somebody who knows what they believe and is not afraid of the price they'll pay for speaking that. We must be willing to speak truth. We must be willing to pay a price for it. Let them marginalize you. You keep on speaking truth. Let them try to cancel you. You keep on speaking the truth. Let them persecute you. You keep on speaking the truth. You understand this. When we came to Jesus Christ, we laid our lives down at his feet. And if need be, we will die for our faith. He died for us. We will live our lives and we'll die our death for our faith if need be. But we're going to be people of truth because that's what he's called us to be. Amen. Some of you say, well, 
It's rough, and yes, it is. What they did, they sat down and talked with Paul, and when he spoke truth, this is even before they stopped, started sailing. They believed they had a little counsel, and they actually added Paul to the council because he was a noted man, even as a prisoner on the ship. He'd been through shipwrecks before, and they wanted his voice there, but they didn't listen to him. They outvoted him. When you live in a democracy, sometimes the majority is wrong. Okay, he's gotten into politics now. You can read whatever you want into this if you want. I'm not preaching this from a standpoint of politics. But I want you to understand, in a democracy, most of the people can vote to go a direction that's not right. And you're on the ship with them. But here's what I want to tell you to do this morning. Stop whining. Stop complaining. Oh, it's so terrible out there. I'm so tired of hearing Christians whine about how bad the world is. We are called to change it, not whine about it. Here's what you got to understand. God put us where we are for such a time as this. God put us on this earth in 2021. I just wish we could get back to how it was in the 50s. God didn't put you in the 50s. Some of you he did, but you're not there anymore. <laughs> God puts you today in 2021. And there's a lot of people making some bad decisions in our world today. Hear me, I believe that with all my heart. I believe the culture as a whole is headed in a bad direction. Relativism and the lack of truth today is hurting our nation and our world. But we're here to be salt and light in the middle of it. Not whining, complaining, griping, threatening we're here to be Jesus in the midst of a culture that's going crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Amen? Amen? That's who we're supposed to be. So Paul wasn't afraid to speak truth. Now they get on into the journey, and they get on into the storm. Because the further you sail into a storm, the stormier it gets, the harder it gets. And I do believe as a culture and as a nation, we're going to continue to face stormy times as long as we head in the wrong direction away from God. And I do believe this, whether you enjoy this or not, I do believe the storm's very likely to get worse. I believe some people are likely to hurt. I believe some in the culture's eyes are going to be open to the direction they've been heading. And please, again, don't take this as a political statement. I'm talking about the kingdom of God here. As we drift from God, we drift away from stability and surety and righteousness. And the storm gets worse. Paul said, don't go. Then they get into the 14-day storm, and it said no one had eaten for a long time. Finally, Paul called the crew together and said, men, you should have listened to me in the first place and not left Crete. I love that. I've read 15 commentaries about this chapter, and about 80% of the commentators try to explain it away and say, well, Paul was never saying I told you so. I kind of think before you write a commentary, you ought to read the Bible. Because what I see there is, I told you so. 
you'd listen to me, we wouldn't have gotten into this storm. But he said this, but take courage. None of you will lose your lives even though the ship will go down. Then in verse 25, he said again, take courage. I believe God. It'll be just as he said. See, Paul wasn't just concerned about him being saved. That was already done. When you come to Jesus Christ, he saves you. Boom. He forgives you. You're on your way to heaven. Eternity is secure for you. Can I get an amen? You're going to heaven. You're going to make it through this. No matter what happens, let them persecute you. Let them kill you. When you close your eyes in death on this side, the Bible says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. We talk about every martyr that's died for the sake of Jesus Christ and those that killed him just sent him on to glory and God received him home. You're going to see Jesus. Don't worry about that. You're going to make it through this storm. You're going to be okay. Your kids are going to be okay. We're going to sail and land safe on the other side one day. But understand this. Paul knew it was about more than just him making it. He wanted the people on the ship to make it too. He felt a responsibility to the people that are around him. And we must equally feel that responsibility because God's put us here in 2021. He saved us. Wouldn't it be great if God just saved us and translated us to heaven? Boom. Well, that might be great if it was just about you. But it's about us being a witness to the people around us. Paul spoke truth, but I want you to hear this. He proclaimed the truth, but he proclaimed the truth in a way that preserved his influence. He didn't alienate everybody on board by being ugly. Because he knew that as the storm worsened, they would still need his voice, or better said, God's voice in their lives. So he didn't turn them away. He proclaimed truth. And then when they made the decision to go the other way, guess what he did? He didn't start railing, he didn't start whining. He simply sailed on the ship and said, well, I don't agree with the direction we're going, but this is the boat I'm on, and so I'm going to stay here, keep a good heart, a good mind, a good attitude, and when the storm gets worse, I'm going to be there for these people. That's a good word. In his proclamation of truth, he didn't throw away his influence. Now, I believe there are two dangers in the world today that we live in. There's the danger of the silent Christian. The Christian who is so afraid that they just grow silent in the face of the issues of the day. And they're so afraid of being marginalized and canceled that they just stay silent. And to the silent Christian, I would say, your voice needs to be heard. Your life needs to be seen. Your love needs to be manifest to the world that's around you. So don't be a silent Christian sitting on the background. The other side, you got the silent Christian over here. Over here, you've got the jerks with Bibles. <laughs> Notice I didn't call them Christians. They're jerks with Bibles. Frank held up his Bible. I'm not calling you a jerk there, Frank, this morning, okay? But there are jerks that just happen to carry a Bible around. I didn't call them Christians because they don't really manifest Jesus in any way. They've just read the Bible and now think they're right about everything, and they want to tell everybody how they're right about everything. 
They'll find minor points in that Bible to fight about and fuss about and condemn other people about. And that's not why God spoke His Word to us and gave us His Word. The jerks with the Bibles just stand around sometimes on street corners and yell at people. I'm not against street preachers. Some street preachers I'm, I've seen. Mm. Watched the guy on YouTube the other day. You ever, you ever go down the YouTube path and get sucked into that? Anybody other than me? I, I love and hate YouTube. You can watch a street preacher, then find out how to change the lamp in your headlight. And then watch a guy chug two Pepsis at one time. What a world we live in. But I saw this one pop up. The guy said, demonic woman attacks the gospel preacher. I thought, man, that sounds like a cage match. i got to watch this. He said, this woman had a demon, so she was attacking the gospel. And the problem after I watched the video was that the preacher was the one with the demon. He was a jerk with a Bible. He was just standing around on a street corner, pounding on his Bible, telling everybody about how wrong they are. Now, now understand this. The gospel does correct us. The love of Jesus is not this fluffy little thing that agrees with everything you're doing in your sin. But understand, when you just stand on a street corner and yell at everybody that goes by, they're going to fight back at you, and it's not because they have a demon. It's because they're human. So don't be a jerk with the Bible. Amen? Don't be that guy. Don't be that person. But those are the two dangers, the silent Christian and the jerk with the Bible. How do I do this, Pastor? How do I find the balance? How do I really tell people about my faith without losing my influence in their lives. Two things I want to tell you quickly, and then two more. That's actually four. <laughs> but I figured you just need a little dose at a time, right? I'll tell you two, then two more. And I may have one more after that, so we'll see. Um, first thing you've got to do, you've got to know your real purpose. You've got to know why you're on this earth. Matthew 6, is powerful. It's at kind of the end of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. And it says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. That's different from the screen. That's just how I memorized it as a kid. Seek the kingdom of God first, and then all these things will come behind it. I found that so true in so many things in life. If I get the first thing right, everything else follows. I helped a guy roof a house one time. That's the one time. That's the last time. <laughs> Hard work. He told me, he said, the most important thing is to get the first line right. Get the first line right, you're in good shape. Get the first line wrong, you're in trouble the whole job. Most important thing for you to get straight in your life right now is seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And everything else will follow. Jesus talks about this in context of your needs. If you seek God first, he'll give you the clothes, the food, everything you need that you worry about. Seek God first, he'll take care of all that. But I believe this is true too. If we seek the, the kingdom of God first in our nation, he will take care of the problems of our nation. 
I have people, you, you met any angry people? People are so angry today. People are angry if you wear a mask or don't. Try it. Go into a store with a mask and watch people look at you like sheep. Go into one without one. I've done both. Watch people look at you like, you don't care about my health. Here's what you want to do. You really want to go in this world today and talk about vaccination. That's a great subject to get on with people. Yeah. You got vaccinated yet? Well, it ain't none of your business. Well, I have. You should. Everybody's so mad about their side. I'm going to say this again. You pray. You do your research. You talk to Jesus about it. You do what you feel is right. Amen? I'm not going to be yelling at you. People are angry. And then they get angry when you're not angry. I mean, if you're just kind of a calm presence in the room, they're like, you should be mad. I had a guy one time angry with me because I wasn't up here angry enough about what's happening in America. Really wanted me to, a guy told me once, he said, you've got so much influence and you need to use your influence to save America. And I thought, goodness, I don't have that much influence, first of all. Please hear my heart in this. I am so patriotic. I love our nation and I'm a patriot. I have a flag hanging out of my garage right now. But my job's not to save America. My job is to manifest the kingdom of God in Henderson County, North Carolina. And if I do that, God can take care of America. Because what's going to change America is not all of us getting our political swords up. What's going to change America is the manifestation of the kingdom of God in the churches, in the streets, and in the homes of America. What's going to change America is a repentance and a return to Jesus Christ and God's word. That will change that. That is our real purpose, to manifest his kingdom, not to get drawn in political fights. When they came to arrest Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, this is when he's about to be crucified. They come to take Jesus. And Jesus, all he's got to do is speak a word and obliterate them. Jesus could say, boom. And that whole crowd is one big greasy spot on the ground. Nobody arrested Jesus. He went with them. Nobody took his life. He gave it. And when they came to arrest Jesus, Peter gets ticked off. Peter whips out a sword and cuts a guy's ear off. And Jesus says to Peter, put up your sword. Because this is not about self-preservation. This is about a work I'm doing that's greater than anything you can see in this moment. This is a work I'm doing that's greater than taking over political power that's greater than our freedom, that's greater than anything else. I'm doing a work to manifest something. You see, Jesus was about to go to the cross and pay the price for your sin and my sin and the sins of the whole world. It was not about self-preservation. 
So Jesus said, Peter, put up your sword. I wonder how many of us, how many online, God would say, hey, put that sword up. Because that's not my battle. Put up the sword and fight my battle. See, you've got to know your purpose. Secondly, you've got to know who your enemy is. You've got to know your real purpose. You've got to know your real enemy. Ephesians, Paul writes this. He said, we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies. They are not our enemy. The devil is our enemy. People are never to be our enemies. He said, we're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Here's what happens when we fight the wrong enemy. We attack the people we're trying to reach. And we let the real, this is even worse, we let the real enemy off scot-free. We don't deal with the real enemy. Paul said, my enemy's not the guy standing in front of me yelling at me. My enemy is the spirit working in him. My enemy is the spiritual force that's dominating his life and causing him to attack me. Man, when you're fighting the people you're trying to reach, you're going to be messed up. I saw a pastor the other day posted a real negative review of a business that's in his own town. Do you know our, our leadership at church, we never do that. If we go to a restaurant we get bad service, you know what we do? We go home and we sleep and we get up the next day and keep living our lives. You know why? I can't afford to post something about a restaurant that didn't serve me just the way I wanted them to. Why? Because I have a bigger purpose and they are not my enemy. And if I do that, I limit their influence. Not only that, when I attack people, anybody got anybody that's hard to get along with? Anybody work with anybody hard to get along with? Anybody know somebody this week that you're just like, oh, I just can't even. (laughs) Confront the spirit behind them first. You know, Jesus said in the Great Commission, he said, all authority has been given to me. That means everything's given to him. But he didn't stop there. He said, I give you authority. And even like that verse in the book of Mark where it says, those that believe in Jesus will speak with new tongues. They can drink anything poison and it won't hurt them. Doesn't mean you go looking for poison. Then here's the favorite Pentecostal one. They shall take up serpents. Now, I just want you to know, if you're a first-time guest, I know your heart just skipped a beat right there. We don't have any snakes. In fact, any religion that says you need to pick up a snake and praise Jesus, I'm out. (laughs) You don't go hiking and grab a snake for the glory of God. What God's saying is if you step on one, you've got authority over it. And hear me, he's not just talking about physical snakes. 
He's talking about demonic spirits. You will walk down the path I've called you to walk and you will step on and step over everything meant that's laid in your path to oppose you. You will take authority over it. So when somebody's giving you a hard time fighting against you, fussing against you, trying to wreck your life, it's not them, it's the spirit behind them. So you get in your prayer room and you say, Lord, before I go to work today, you know that person. Lord, help me to love them But confront, right now, I confront and take authority over that spirit that's working in them. I'm not going to let it dominate me today. It's not going to steal my peace today. Speak to that spirit. Take authority over that spirit. And guess what? That person's going to wonder what in the world happened to you. Because they're going to push your button and it won't work. Amen. 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 Know your purpose. Know your enemy. One last scripture, and I'm going to quit. I told you I had two more, right? And uh, I'm over time already. We're really pushing it this morning. James said this. Let everyone, one, James 1.19, you must all be quick to, slow to, and slow to get angry. What am I going to do in this world? I'm going to listen first. I'm going to listen before I do anything else. Before I talk to people, I'm going to listen to them. See, Jesus listened before he spoke. Jesus asked 307 questions in the Gospels. He only answered three of them. He wanted to hear people talk. Before he spoke to them, he made sure they felt heard. Oh my goodness, you want a receptive audience? Make sure they feel heard before you start talking. You see, if we listen, Jesus listened before he spoke. Secondly, Jesus served before he spoke. You know why Jesus healed people? He loved them, first of all. But he healed people to manifest God's power to prove to them that what he said was true. Jesus just didn't go around just throwing healing on people a mile away. I mean, if I were Jesus, I'd just be like, boom, 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 boom. Jesus made people come to him. You ever read that part about the pool of Bethesda, the guys just laying there? There's this pool, and supposedly the water gets stirred up, and whoever gets in first gets healed. And the guy's been laying there like 30 years This is one of Jesus' questions. He walks up to this guy and said, what can I do for you? Everybody around the pool knew the answer to that one. Hey, you're supposed to be the Messiah, right? You're healing people, right? By this time, his fame's getting out there, you know. You're healing people, right? Yeah, you've been laying here 30 years. Why do you need me to tell you? Heal him. And the guy's like, Arguing with Jesus. Well, can you get me into the pool? Jesus is like, what do you want? Okay, Lord, I want you to heal me. All right, get up. Let's go home. Whole story illustrates Jesus wanted people to be heard. He wanted them to speak out of their own hearts what they were going through. Because when they speak out of their own hearts and they're heard, It opens the way for healing. I want you to remember this. I want you to write this down. A person's mind cannot be changed until their heart is opened. 
person's mind cannot be changed until their heart is opened. And if you're trying to just change somebody's mind on an issue, that's not what counts here. And that's not going to work. What's going to work is to open their heart, which leads to a changed mind. Okay, one more thing and I'm done. Some years ago, I went, a lady asked me, this pastor, if I would go to the hospital to visit her dad. This was 20 years ago. The church was really small. Everybody knew everybody. We were just uh, so connected. It's how you can be in a small church. And um, we, um, she came to me and she said, would you please go visit my dad in the hospital? I said, sure, I'll be glad to go see him. She said, just one thing, don't pray for him. I'm like, what? Wait, what? Don't pray for him because he's an atheist. And I know him. If you try to pray for him, he'll cuss you out. I thought, that's no big deal. I've been cussed out many times. So I said, I'll go. So I took a friend. We went to the hospital. took a friend for protection. You know, we went to the hospital. This guy's like 75 years old. And he's been, he was a first responder in Henderson County for many, many years. He was known all over Henderson County by so many people. And um, he was cordial, made it clear to me what he believed and didn't believe. We just talked to him. I asked him about his work with the emergency services, and he talked to me, and I thanked him for that, you know, tried to find some common ground. We stayed with him a while. We were there about 30 minutes, and I thought, you know, when somebody tells me don't do this, I, I got a point to prove now. That's not always worked well for me. But uh, I'm like, yeah, I'm going to pray with her. I'm going to pray for him. I don't mind being cussed out in the hospital. So uh, talked about 30 minutes. So near the end, I just, I just thought, I'm just going to go for it, you know. So I just grabbed his hand and started praying. You ever live by that philosophy, it's easier to get forgiveness than permission? Yeah, it don't always work either. Um, <laughs> I just grabbed him by the hand said, let me pray for you. And I just started praying. Well, he actually bowed his head and I prayed for him. I didn't get cussed out. That's a win, you know. Prayed for him and Left, said, we'll be back in touch with you just to check on you. About a week later, his wife had been in a nursing home, and someone donated a chair to the church, said, can anybody use this? And it was one of those lift chairs that lift up and help people get out of the chair. And uh, we, we knew she needed one. Somebody gave it. So I just called him. I said, hey, man, I said, we got this chair. Let us bring it to your house. So the same people that visited him in the hospital took the chair to his house. See what we did? We listened and then served, Right? And then uh, we kept calling, just saying, how are you? It must have been a month or two that I'm at church. It's not this building. We used to be on a little building over on Washington Street. If you've ever been to Hot Dog World and everybody's been there, just look up Washington Street where the little theater is. That was where we had church uh, for many, many years. He came walking into that building, and I saw him come down the aisle before church. I'm like, what is he doing here? He came up to me, he said, Andy, he said, you better check the foundation of the building because it probably cracked when I walked in. <laughs> he said, I ain't been to church and I don't remember what he said, probably 30, 40 years. He said, I'm just not a church person. I'm an atheist. He said, but you guys were so nice to me, I just thought I'd show up. He sat, not the same building, kind of like right over there. And he made a good church person because that was his seat from then on. 
He sat there, and I thought, man, am I going to tick him off here on Sunday? It would kind of be bad to get cussed out in front of everybody. He sat through it respectfully and then left. And, and I'm not always the person of greatest faith. I thought, well, we'll never see him again. Next Sunday, he came walking right down, sat in the same spot. That happened for a month or two. And finally, one day, he said this. He said, at the end of service today, I'm going to say something to the congregation. This is the kind of guy he was. I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> now, today, we have security. We didn't have it then. So I said, let's just talk about it after us. He said, nope, I need to say this. Like, just tell me what you want to say. I need to say it. It'll be okay. I need to say it. All righty. End of service, he just stands up, comes to about right here, and he looks at the congregation, his deep voice, no emotion, just as plain and simple as he can. He said, I just need to say this because I believe it's the right way to do this. I wanted to tell this church that today... I'm accepting Jesus Christ as the Lord of my life. And he just went and sat down. That's not the way we do it. You're supposed to raise your hand first, and then you pray the prayer, and then you text yes to Christ, and then we pray for you. And then we announce, then we just baptize you, and that's it. You don't just get to. <laughs> that man's life changed. I could tell you stories about the life change that would blow you away. No, that's public. Years went by, and um, I got a call to go back to Party Hospital, same hall where I met him for the first time, just a couple doors down. And he was in a room. And he called me and he asked me to come. And he was dying. And I got to stand by his bedside and take that same hand in my hand again. And he said these words to me. He said, Andy, thank you for telling me about Jesus. He said, I'm going to go meet him today. Thank you for telling me about him. And I'm going to tell you something, friends. Every time that I think it's not worth it, I remember that day. I left that hospital, and I told my wife and people with me, I said, if I die tomorrow, I'm good. Because I got to see one, people, one person go from an absolute atheist to a committed believer in Jesus Christ. I want that. Our world needs that so bad. I want that for you. I want that story to be multiplied again and again in our community. If we're willing to speak truth in a way that maintains influence, we're willing to listen, then serve, then speak, we'll have an impact, friends. Let's pray together. Jesus, we love you and thank you for this day and the opportunity we have to serve you, to love you, to live for you. And I pray for people in this building and watching online today that will be that Christian that is not afraid to speak truth, but does it in such a way that when they go through the storm, we still have a voice, we still have an influence. Heads bowed and eyes closed. Who in this building today would lift a hand? We won't embarrass you. Or online and say, I'm saying yes to Jesus as my Savior today. Can I see your hand this morning? I'm saying yes to Jesus as my Savior.
you're online watching, you can click a button there that says yes to Christ, and he'll come into your life and change your life forever like he did this man. How many would say, Pastor, I won't have a person like that in my life that I'm able to be salt and light to them and see them come to Christ. Can I see your hands out there? A bunch of hands today, a bunch of people going to say yes to Christ through the influence of your life. Thank you, Lord. Would you lift your hands? I've got a word for you today from Jesus to bless you with. Jesus said, new wine cannot be placed in old wineskins. means the systems, the cultures, the behaviors that are currently in place in your life are not sufficient to handle the new thing that God's about to do. I believe it's true for us as a church. Our paradigms, our assumptions, our systems, the way we do business needs to be flexible to accommodate and to receive the new thing that God is going to do. So I want to bless you today with a flexibility. That's the word I keep getting. A flexibility in Jesus to change in line with what the Holy Spirit's doing in our midst. Amen. Amen. Do you receive that blessing today? I am so excited about the future. So excited about what God's about to do. All right. Let me commission you. I commission you now. The authority of Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit. I send you to go into your world and make Jesus known everywhere you go. Amen. You're sent today. Love y'all so much. Thanks for being here today. We will see you next week. Blessings. Thanks so much for listening to this week's Upward Journey. If you would like to find out more about Upward Christian Fellowship in Flat Rock, North Carolina, you can look up our website at ucf.cc or like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash upwardchristianfellowship. We invite you to join us next week as we continue the Upward Journey.